Hello and welcome to the May 2021 Convergent Monthly Market and Economic Update. Uh, today we're going to cover uh, a number of topics to keep up with our theme on our uh, quarterly uh, ideas that we thought would do well, economic updates, and uh, a bigger picture view of what we see coming down the road. So in particular, we're going to dive into all of the different May market performance uh, areas in terms of the different indices that we track and, and uh, sectors that we have uh, in our models. We're also going to touch on the uh, all the different uh, economic updates from May, so corporate earnings and some of the big indicators that we keep an eye on. And then finally, we're going to, to spend more time on this theme that we've been covering in, in all of the videos over the last few months, which is this idea of the death of the 60-40 and where we need to be going from here. So let's dive right into the market performance for the month of May. It was another wild ride pretty much every single month this year. We've had a period of time where we have had a significant pullback in the markets, followed by a pretty swift recovery from there. And we saw that again in May, where the S&P was down relatively significantly early in the month and then recovered to finish the month slightly up, uh, just about one half of 1%. Uh, on the tech side, we saw a similar drop, uh, but because of the drop was slightly bigger, uh, the recovery wasn't enough to get the, uh, the NASDAQ uh, positive on the month. And so the tech shares were down about 1.2% on the month and a pretty volatile wild ride uh, through May. However, some of the areas that we've been following and adding to our portfolios over the course of the quarter for Q2 is we, we felt that industrials and financials would do well from rising rates and the opening of the economy. And that has really come to fruition with uh, industrials up over 3% on the month and financials up close to 5% on the month, continuing on a great month that they had in April as well. Uh, commodities, which has been one of our best performers uh, so far this year, uh, continued to have a strong month, although it did come off the highs that we saw earlier in the month, but still finished up the month about 1% in the green. And European equities, which was one of the things we highlighted earlier this quarter uh, that we thought would do well, also kind of knocked it out of the park in May, up close to 5% or just about 4.5% uh, on the month in European equities. Um, and finally, uh, emerging markets uh, had another solid month, uh, along with you know, some continued volatility, but still finished the month about 1.7% up. So pretty much across the board, all of the sector plays that we've been watching, commodities, energy, industrials, financials, uh, outperformed the general market and, and the S&P 500, and in particular outperformed uh, the big tech names that were the leaders uh, in the market uh, from the pandemic through uh, Q1 of this year. On to some of the uh, economic indicators that we're keeping an eye on, one that you know we paid a, a really close attention to week by week last year uh, that you know uh, are, are still having some major impacts on the economy is the unemployment data. Uh, while it's dramatically improved uh, from where it was uh, now at a 14 month low, we have 15.4 million of total claims. Um, we still have though, uh, we had about 385,000 of new claims for unemployment this week. And we're still around 4 million, you know, 3.77 million of ongoing uh, continuing claims. So while it's still great news uh, from where we started this thing, you know, over a year ago, down dramatically from the numbers we were seeing in June of last year, still some troubling numbers, uh, still a long way to go to get the ultimate total unemployment down uh, to where it was prior to the pandemic. So, you know, positive moves, uh, but still a long way to go with unemployment. Uh, on a really bright note, though, in terms 
terms of year-over-year uh, -year numbers, corporate earnings were up 50% in Q1 versus uh, the, the numbers we saw in Q1 of 2020. And so, you know, being that the pandemic really only impacted the last month of the quarter of, of 2020, we anticipate that the Q2 numbers for corporate earnings, when those begin being released in July, uh, are going to be even better than what we saw here on, on Q uh, in, in the numbers being reported for Q1. So 50% corporate earnings increase, uh, pretty significant. Obviously, the good news coming out on that uh, day by day as we went through the quarter with those corporate earnings were a big part of overall what we've seen so far in a generally rising um, stock market through Q2. Some other numbers that are important to keep an eye on is our uh, uh, the latest, I guess, projections we have on where things are going to end up for GDP and for inflation. Right now, we're anticipating that uh, the year-over-year -year number on GDP is going to be north of 12% uh, for Q2, which will be one of the biggest prints, if not one of the biggest prints ever year-over-year, -year, uh, which again, just more green lights in terms of the general economy opening up. Uh, another area that we're keeping a very close eye on is inflation, and that's beginning to hit a lot of the headlines. It's something that we've been kind of anticipating all year so far in these uh, quarterly and monthly themes that we've been going over. And we're anticipating now the Q2 print on uh, for the quarter is going to be over 4%. We saw the, the month of April, their print uh, was over 4%. And we think for the quarter overall, we're going to see that. Uh, we do anticipate things beginning to fall off a little bit in the second half of the year. You know, a lot of the some of the things we're seeing out there in the news is that inflation is is transitory, meaning that it's just it's supply driven because the economy is still opening up. A lot of the issues we're seeing out there are supply driven, and that once things open up, uh, inflation will settle back down. But from our estimates and where things are going, uh, while we do think it will lessen, uh, it's not going to go down anywhere near it was prior to the pandemic. So we're even anticipating out into Q3 and Q4 inflation being well above 3% and, and, and over 3.5%. So uh, you know, definitely something that we're going to keep an eye on. It's not something that as of yet is a massive concern. But if it is something that is persistent, um, you know, we do believe it's something that we're going to have to keep a very close eye on. And, and really, that's what it's led at. We, we, again, we've been seeing this now for six months coming. And it's really why we have had this belief that there is this risk of the death of the 60-40 portfolio. I know we've talked about this a number of times. But just to rehash, the last 40 years, we've seen really just outstanding performance of a portfolio that's been in a mix of 60% equities and 40% bonds. And that's really because we started the decade of the 80s with interest rates around 15%, the stock market having had a decade of basically stagnant performance. And over the next 40 years, we've seen just a very steady decline in interest rates, a very steady decline in inflation, and a very steady increase in GDP. And that's been just this great environment for uh, stocks and long-term bonds. We think a lot of those things uh, are, are coming to an end. And we do believe that there may be some secular shifts coming, and inflation is one of the big drivers of that. And if we look, you know, over history, you know, people say, ah, oh, don't worry about that. If you just think of uh, you know, just buy and hold stocks, over the long run, they just go up and to the right. And so, you know, you, you just need to stay invested. And that generally is true. If we look at this chart of a hundred year performance of the market, that's, that's you know, the, the, the trend has been up and to the right. The problem is we've had three different periods over the last hundred years where we went at least 12 years, and in one case, 25 years, where the market was effectively flat over that time frame. And if you add all those up together, it's about 50 years, so about half of the time frame that the market was flat. Uh, and so the problem with that is, while over the very long term, the market just goes up and to the right, 
what if that one of those flat periods, and especially one of those extended flat periods is right when you retire and you're pulling money out of your portfolio when the market is also going down or flat for a significant period of time. And that's really what we experienced back in the 70s, along with a higher level of inflation. And so you know, that's just one of the things we wanted to keep an eye on. And if that comes, we need to be constructing portfolios to protect for that. Um, and, you know, so really what we're thinking about when people think of diversification, you know, if I have some stocks and some bonds, maybe some real estate, uh, they think that they're diversified from a portfolio standpoint. But the reality of it is there's four different macroeconomic quadrants that we need to be mindful of and different investments perform uh, better or worse on average in those environments. And so the four quadrants that we're uh, needing to map towards are growth deflation, inflation, and decline. So we want to make sure we have a portfolio that can perform well in any of those environments. And when we look back through history, at least, uh, stocks do well when we're in uh, economic growth cycles. Uh, bonds do well, particularly in inflation, or excuse me, deflation, um, deflationary environments. Commodities and things that trend do well when there's high levels of inflation. And things like volatility uh, investments and cash do well when we're in a decline. And so the reality is we want to make sure we have all of those bases covered. The problem is most people's portfolios really just have the reddish in, in side of the, the portfolio here, which is really the offensive side of your portfolio. And if you think of a, a I, I hate to use sports analogies all the time, but if we think about a soccer team or a hockey team, you can't field a team of just forwards who are looking to score. You need to have your goalie and your defensive players um, on the field or on the ice as well. And that's really where the other part of diversification comes in uh, to do well when we get to uh, high levels of inflation or in times of secular decline. And so what a really truly diversified portfolio looks like is something more like this, not necessarily proportionately uh, exactly the same as this, but within your equity components, you're going to have large cap, mid cap, small cap, maybe some private equity and venture capital. Within your bonds, you're going to have U.S. treasuries, corporates, international bonds, you're going to get a full mix over there. But on the defensive side, we need a mix of commodity trend uh, type investments. We need a mix of defensive investments that are going to be there for you when we get into some of these more uh, volatile um, environments. So that's how we're thinking about overall how we need to be constructing portfolios going forward, not just focusing on the offense, but also incorporating the defense into the overall picture. And part of that mix is that some of those things that play defense um, are negatively correlated to the things that play offense. And that's what you actually want to see in your portfolio. You want to see that when certain things in your portfolio are zig zigging, other parts of your portfolio are zagging. And if you have them in the right proportions, what, what that could ultimately accomplish, if done correctly, is create a portfolio that's going to have you know, similar or maybe even better performance over time, but accomplish it with less levels of volatility or at least fewer drawdowns of your overall portfolio. So that's the goal of structuring a portfolio this way. And so you know, that's really what we've been focusing on ever since March of 2020. We've been really diving deep into some of these defensive areas. We began to have some uh, conversations with you as our clients on how we might construct this for you within your portfolio. We're calling it an all-weather approach. You know, we want our portfolios to really be able to sustain any uh, environment uh, that is going to be coming up. So keep an eye out sometime in the next couple of few weeks. We're going to be uh, sending out more proposals and more conversations with each of you on how your portfolio might make sense to incorporate some of these defensive players into it. 
So just a quick recap, you know, Q2 continues to be, you know, a, a growth of inflation, a growth of GDP. So we call this kind of our quad two or growth environment. So, so far that's really been good for equities overall. This whole, you know, first half of this year has been good for equities overall. You know, however, we're still cautious on what might be to come uh, in the coming quarters. And, and again, we think it's time to be considering uh, diversification beyond just traditional stock and bond portfolios. And, you know, we want to make sure we're, we're creating that portfolio that's individual to you and your individual particular needs. Uh, so we want, want to make sure we have an individual conversation with you about that. So if you have any particular questions about uh, any of the information we covered in today's video, please don't hesitate to reach out. Email is homer at convergentwealth.com. We'd love to talk with you individually uh, about, your, uh, about your questions. With that, we hope you have a great day and we'll talk to you soon.